everyone. Welcome back to Crime, Cults, and Coffee. Hey. <laughs> I'm Kelsey. I'm Brent. So today we're going to be reviewing Black River Roasters Coffee. And we're really excited about this one, too. Yeah. They were another kind business that sent us coffee. And they, like, went above and beyond. They not only sent... We asked for little samples, by the way. They sent two full bags of ground coffee. Yeah. And these cute little recipe cards with, like, different ways to make different kinds of coffees. and It was, it was just really sweet. Yeah. It was so thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually already halfway through my costume. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> and we're just starting, so. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm going to read from their website a little bit about their shop and their roasting, and then we can talk about what flavor we're sampling today. It's delicious. So good. <laughs> so this is just straight from their website, but Black River Roasters is a specialty coffee roasting company specializing in certified organic and fair trade beans sourced from a small yield cooperatives and estates. Our goal is to provide you with the finest cup of coffee in the most environmentally friendly way. We seek to maintain the highest level of quality control while roasting our coffees to ensure the final cup showcases the bean's natural characteristics. Our roasting facility is actually located in White House Station, New, jo- New Jersey, Whoop. where- We're gonna say New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> She's really becoming a Jersey girl. No, I'm not. <laughs> where we roast and ship our coffees to clients across the country. We have a cafe in the same building as our roasting facility, where you can see us roast while enjoying a cup of the finest specialty coffee. Mm. Which, how cool does that sound? You get to, like, watch them roasting their beans while you are sitting in their cafe. Yeah, we need to go there. And I want to have a brownie with my coffee. Because the brownies look bomb. We were looking at their menu. It looks like they have, like, some small bites with their coffee. And it looks amazing. Yeah, and they have Nusi yogurt, which I'm, like, super excited about. Yeah, we about. were just talking about it. I was like, I've never had it. She's so like, freaking so good. good. Best yogurt, Nusa. Yeah. Do you want to tell them what flavor we're doing? Yes. Not of the Nusa. No, 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 no. <laughs> of the uh, coffee. Black River Roasters. So we're drinking Organic Roast Masters Blend, which has notes of dark chocolate, peppercorn, and walnut. Mm. And it is the most delicious combination. Like, it really is. I would have never thought to put those flavors together in a coffee. No, but like, you can, like, props. actually taste all three of those things separately as you take a sip of it. Yeah. Like, they come at, like, different times, I feel like. Yeah. Like, I taste the walnut last. I, I definitely taste the walnut last because yeah. that's what, at the end, I'm like, wait, like, as I'm finished sipping, I'm like, what is that that I'm tasting? And it's definitely the walnut, I mm. think. It's yeah. so good. I'm trying it again right now. <laughs> no, like I said, I'm already halfway through mine. Um, the thing I really like about this coffee, too, is it's, like, creamy. I know. I don't know what it is, but we both said that it was, like, a, cr- a creamy coffee. Like Yeah, which doesn't really make sense, but it is. It's, like, creamy. Like, we put our creamer in, and I was like, why does this look creamier than usual? <laughs> no, it's delicious. And it's then, really good. Um, also, I noticed when we, like, brewed it that... I had said out loud to Kelsey, I was like, wow, it's already, like, it's really dark. Yeah. Like, it was a good, dark coffee that came out. Yeah, and everybody in the house was like, mmm, can I have one? Can I have one? (laughs) So we had to make extra coffee. Because it literally smells amazing. Yeah. But. So, uh, Black River Roasters, thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate your support, especially with how new we are. Um, Yeah. Just businesses supporting businesses. We love it. Yeah, and... Um, as we had mentioned, they sent us two bags, so we didn't want to, like, cram both of them into one day. Yeah. So, at a later date, we will be reviewing the second bag. Yeah, we want to spread it out a little bit, yeah. give you guys a reminder of how good they are. Yeah. Before <laughs> we move on, let's also mention how Mercury's in retrograde and is just fucking our shit up right now. It's really bad. <laughs> We just had some technical difficulties and we're concerned. Yeah, like we hope this even records right now. I know. Or plays. And we hope Friday's episode plays because it looks like it should, but on our computer end, it's We just not. played it back and it's like the first three seconds of our intro song. We were like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, oh, this is great. But it, yeah. I think it'll be okay. And my car's going to shit, so yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Just a great day <laughs> yeah. all around. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> continue on (laughs) all right you ready to start yeah all right guys grab your coffee and have a morning with us so we have something special up our sleeves we are very excited yeah 
Uh, today's episode is actually going to be about the Salem Witch Trials. Woo! Woo! Yeah! Uh, sadly, this is not coming out around Halloween, but that's fine. <laughs> it was kind of an afterthought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either way, like, we, we've said that we're going to include witchy stuff yeah. and What better stuff. way to start witchy stuff than the Salem Witch Trials? Right, and we're, like we mentioned, it's Mercury in retrograde, and we're, we're recording this witchy shit on yeah. during it. So... Before we get started, we just wanted to bring up a couple things. I realized that (laughs) I came out of the metaphorical psychic closet on a fucking podcast. Can we insert, like, clapping here? (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I'm the most nervous person when it comes to, like, telling people about that. I know. And I just came out about it on a podcast. I think it's great. I think it was a great way to do it. I don't think I'm going to have many friends after that episode. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. I think people think it's cool, or else you wouldn't be listening. Well, they either think it's cool or they think I'm a whack job. Mm, Yeah. I say the first one. Yeah, but speaking of psychic or medium ship, we found this really cool episode. If anyone listening has Hulu, you have to listen. Or this cool show. Why did I say episode? This cool show. It's called Psychic Kids. We, like, binged it the other day. Oh, my God. And we were in total awe. Yeah. Like, it's literally... I don't know why I'm staring at the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're looking human, at me. Like, it's a human make eye contact, Kelsey. Me? <laughs> um, but yeah, we binged it. It's like these little kids that have psychic abilities and they don't know what to do with it because they weren't taught what to do with it. And a mentor kind of comes in and helps them and teaches them... That was my cat. And teaches them what to do with it. And these kids are literally amazing. They're so good. And it was insane. If you watch it, you're like, holy shit, this kid is really doing this. And this is not made up. And, like, this kid isn't doing it for attention. They validate Like the trial. (laughs) Like the Salem Witch Trial. Right? Possibly. They validate everything in it. Yeah. It's just crazy. Oh, my gosh. You were very talkative today. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. Is it Binksy? Are you Binks? Thackeray Binks. (laughs) So, without further ado, I guess we'll get into it. Yeah, we focused mainly today on the three first accused witches from the Salem Witch Trial, but we kind of give history of everything that happened. Right. So, the origin of the Salem Witch Trials, I'm going to talk about... Some stuff that happened before the Salem trials, because this shit was going down way before it happened in Salem. Yeah. We're not going to get too caught up in it, but I'm going to give a brief summary of it. It's like you're going on a tour from your car, if you're in your car, or your house. Sit back and enjoy. (laughs) So, as early as the 14th century in Europe, belief in supernatural and the devil giving witches the power to harm others in return for loyalty was was a thing. the idea. Right. It was widespread in colonial New England later down the road. Uh, The arguments about... Actually, I'll get into that after. The witchcraft craze in Europe um, basically... They began to fade out of much of Europe by the mid-17th century. Yeah. But before this, like, from, like, the 1300s to the 1600s, tens of thousands were executed. Yeah. And I had read in an article, I'm hoping these numbers are accurate, there was around 110,000 tried, Mm. put on trial, okay, and 40 to 60,000 executed. What? So... Yeah, this, Europe was, like, a major thing, and... I feel like not many people, I didn't know that. Not yeah. Not many people know that it's... Maybe stuff, one like day they, we should delve into that side of it as well. They more Salem trials to being the first witchy thing. Right. That's probably, I mean, I feel like that's probably because it happened in the U.S. Like, it's yeah. a big thing in the U.S. Maybe in Europe, the other one is bigger. Yeah, maybe. That's true. But, basically, like... What I want to also note is in the Salem witch trials, no one was burned at the stake. The burning at the stake of witches, actually, that did happen in Europe. Mm -hmm. So, that's where that comes from. 
crazy. So the Puritan community of Salem Village, now we're going to kind of get more into Salem, but towards the beginning of it, the trials aren't happening yet. Yep. The Puritan community of Salem Village, which is present-day Danvers, Massachusetts. Shout out, Amy. That's where my friend Amy lives. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better be listening, Amy. <laughs> Amy, freaking better be listening. <laughs> Love you. So that's uh, present-day Danvers, Massachusetts. The after effects of British war with France in American colonies in 1689 were heavily felt here. Yeah. There was a smallpox epidemic that was going on. There was fear of attacks from neighboring Native American tribes. There was rivalries with affluent community of Salem Town. So Salem Town is present-day Salem. Mm -hmm. Salem Village is present-day Danvers. I just want to clear that up because there's two going on in this story and... They conflict with each other because the Salem Village, which is Danvers, was kind of the, I don't want to say poorer side, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the, like, high-end affluent area. Mm. The community of Salem Town, which is now Salem, was the higher-end, so, like, the more affluent side of Salem. So, there there was conflicts between these two groups, kind of. Okay. Which comes into play with what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, there were also arguments about property lines, grazing rights, church privileges. There were church, religion, political arguments, basically the same shit that's still occurring nowadays. Hashtag 2020. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, the witch... Ew, and I just said, um... So, the witch trials, like we said, had begun to fade. Okay. We, this is the the mid-17th century. And although it was fading in, like, much of Europe, mm-hmm. it still continued on the fringes of Europe and in American colonies. Yeah, it started to come to colonies. Right. Which, as we're going to see yeah. with Salem. Prime time for the Salem witch trials was around 1692 and 1693. In colonial Massachusetts. Um, and basically, like we said earlier, the main issue with the the belief of witches was that there was a fear of the devil and his practice giving witches power to hurt humans. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like they couldn't see the devil, but it would, they were the devil was going through people, a.k.a. witches. Yeah. Yep. They, the Puritan belief and their culture, I have like a quote from basically what they thought. Mm -hmm. Women were inherently sinful and more susceptible to damnation than men were. Yeah. Which I just, like, fucking laugh out loud, laughed out loud at when I read it. I was like, this is honestly, like, I'm not laughing at someone's religion, but the the thought that, oh, women are more susceptible, susceptible to the devil, like, inhabiting inhabiting their bodies or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just ridiculous. And just pay attention to, like, what the guys say that we're going to talk about later on because they're all fucking cowards. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think they just blamed everything on women back then. Yeah. What else is new? Also, with the Puritan belief, though, I want to note that they believed that men and women were equal in the eyes of God. So, it's not like they were, like, just saying, oh women are evil. Yeah. Like, they believed they were equal in the eyes of God, but not in the eyes of the devil. Yeah. So, basically, they said their souls were unprotected and weak, and they were in vulnerable bodies. Oh, my God. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> throw up. That's <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. So, do you have anything else before... I just have that the earliest recorded witchcraft execution was in 1647 in Hartford, Connecticut, and I don't know if her name was Alice or Elise or... How do you spell it? A-L-S-E. I was going to so say, a, you were about to spell my sister's no, name. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, but they had different names back then, but yeah. also different spellings, so I don't know if it's Alice Maybe or it would translate to, like, today being Elise or yeah. Well, Alice. Yeah, whatever her name was. Alice, Alice, Elise. Her last name was Young, and okay. she was the first execution that was recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So, like we said, we're going to talk about the three main women that started, that were first accused of being witches in Salem, and the first one we're going to talk about is Tituba, and 
She was a slave purchased by Reverend Samuel Paris, and she was most likely purchased from Barbados in 1680, but her origin is unclear. Some people say that she was from Barbados. Some people say that she was a South American Indian. There was a lot of, like, varying um, information on sources. Mm -hmm. I just don't think people really knew where she came from since she was purchased and Yeah, there was, like, very little known about beforehand. Yeah. Um, And to go along with that, there was really no personal accounts of Tituba. It was all... Basically, the only thing we know from history is what was said in court about her. There was no, like, stories about her or personal things about her. Um, She wasn't really talked about. Her life wasn't really known before the Salem Witch Trials. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she... They had also said that she was possibly brought in because of her ethnic differences. Because, Mm -hmm. obviously, she was different Mm -hmm. from most there. She also was probably looked down upon because, sadly, she was a slave because that existed back then. She practiced voodoo, Mm -hmm. and maybe she didn't believe in the Puritan beliefs, so they were just like, oh, no, like, you're possessed by the devil or whatever. Yeah. She... It was also rumored that she was married to another slave that was actually owned by Reverend Samuel Paris as well, named John Indian, Um, but that wasn't really confirmed anywhere either. Mm. It was just rumored that they were married. Um, yeah, like I said, not much is known of Tituba's life before the witch trials. And they say that, sources say that Tituba played a role in introducing supernatural ideas into the minds of, uh, Reverend Samuel Paris's daughter, nine-year-old Betty Paris and his niece, 11-year-old Abigail Williams. And their friend, Ann Putnam Jr., who Mm -hmm. was around 12 years old, they think. Well, they, many articles think. And because of that, they began began involving themselves in fortune-telling. Yeah. Which, you, do you have information on what that Yeah, so I kind of got this weird little bit from a source, but we'll just see, I don't know, I'll, I'll talk about it says, there's no record stating that Tituba taught the girls fortune-telling, but the girls practiced fortune-telling by putting an egg white in a glass of water, and this was actually condemned by the Puritans during this time because it was said to be de- demonic practices, and one of the girls said that she saw a coffin in this fortune-telling. So it's almost like reading, um, what's it called? Like when you, you read in the cups. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. And the one, I can't remember which girl it was, but she said she saw a coffin and then all of the girls fell into a fit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she had also, like, Tichaba had also told voodoo tales to them. Mm-hmm. Did you mention that? Not yet, no. But I feel like as little kids, like, you're like 9, 11, 12, I was kind of into that shit when I was that age with, yeah. like, witchy stuff and, like... Especially if your parents are telling you you can't be talking about this kind of stuff. Right. And if you're <laughs> hearing, like, voodoo stories or whatever, even if you don't believe she's actually a witch, you might think it's cool and start trying that stuff on your own. Like, oh, let me try fortune telling. Like, it could have been just, like, harmless kid stuff. Right. And I had that... Tituba was actually, like, she was very close with the girls. She, I think, slept in the same room as them, like, slept right near them. She prayed with the family every night. I mean, she was close with the girls. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure they spent a lot of time with her, and she told stories about what her life was like before coming to Salem. That's so sad they would accuse her. Yeah. Did you want to get into the next woman, or did we want to... I have a little bit more about Tituba. Okay. Um... So, in February 1692, Tituba and her husband, John, helped a neighbor named Mary Sibley. Did you read about this? Bake the cake? Yes, but I didn't write it down. Yeah. So, they they baked a quote-unquote witch cake, which was made from rye meal and afflicted girl's urine. Yeah. And they fed it to the dogs, hoping that it would reveal the name of who bewitched the girls. So, it was basically, like, them coming up with their own spell. Yeah. Their own little, like potion thing yeah just trying to figure out like what would happen and who actually was responsible for bewitching the girls right um yeah and then we can we'll go back to that part but yeah we can go to the next girl all right 
So the next woman that they accused was Sarah Good. I have that she was a homeless beggar accused of rejecting Puritan ideals of self-control and discipline. And she was dependent on her neighbors, which they thought was suspicious, which I think is really odd because there was something basically about her husband had gotten them in trouble with money pretty much. And so she had to like lean on her neighbors and they thought this was suspicious behavior, which I don't really think is that suspicious if you were close with your neighbors back then. Like, yeah, I don't know. And then... That's pretty much all I had on her. I don't know if you have more about her. I had that she was born in 1953, and she was married to... Or she was born to a wealthy innkeeper named John Solart. Solart? Mm-hmm. And he really left her... He was able to leave her nothing of his fortune or estate or anything because all of his money was actually held up by the state, so she didn't get anything. So she was basically poor... And then she married a man named Daniel Poole, who eventually had passed away, and then remarried William Good, which is where her name came from. And they were very poor. They had two children, and they actually had to rent rooms in people's houses to live. People in the town thought that her and her family were just nuisances, and this reputation made it really easier for people to accuse her because no one liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I had about her background. All right. So, basically, what we forgot to mention, too, in the beginning, I think, was um, Salem's first ordained minister was Samuel Paris, Mm -hmm. who was Elizabeth, a.k.a. Betty, Paris's father. Yep. And Abigail Williams' uncle. uncle. Mm -hmm. So, there was a lot of issues as well with, like, the townspeople... Some some of the townspeople liked him. Some some of them really didn't. Yeah. So there was a lot of like intertwined and unresolved like rival rivalry between families, neighbors, grudges against a new reverend, this mm-hmm. and that. So this was like escalating the situation, and I feel like it was just kind of ironic that his daughter and his niece happened in, yeah. to be involved making the first accusations. Yeah. Like I I found that very odd. I feel like there was some kind of politics behind it, maybe, but I don't know. Right. That's my opinion. Yeah. So then, are we on to our third woman? Yes. Okay. Our third woman was Sarah Osborne. Do you want to talk about her first? Yeah. I'll just jump in. She was born in 1643. She was married to a man named Robert Prince, who died in 1674. He left his 150-acre land and inheritance to Sarah and her two sons that were named James and Joseph. And when they became of age, as stated in his will, they were going to inherit part of his um, land and the inheritance money. Right. I think it said that one of his sons was only, like, two years old at the time, so they still had quite a bit of time uh, to come of age for that. And then Sarah hired an Irish immigrant who was named was Alex Osborne, and he kind of was just to help out on the farm, um, to pay off his indenture. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there was rumors that he was, they were sleeping together, which was very, very taboo in their little town. Yeah. Yeah. And... Very Crucible-esque. Right. And then they eventually got married and moved in together. And then after they got married, Sarah actually tried to take the land and the inheritance from her two sons so her and her new husband can run off and do whatever they wanted. And that violated, obviously, the will that her former husband, William, had written. So there was a bunch of legal battles, and that's basically when Sarah was accused of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. I could assume that it, like, upset, like, the social norms of that time. It's not normal. I mean, it's normal for your two-year-old son and your your sons to take over a man's land. It's not normal back then for the woman to take over her husband's land. Right. So this obviously could have created, like, a lot of uproar. And I had also had about Sarah Osborne that she had not attended church in almost three years Mm -hmm. due to illness. So obviously that could have also been frowned upon. They were heavily, like, heavily involved in the church in that area or... 
um, Puritan beliefs, and for someone to not be attending church, they might yeah. view that as taboo. She was considered to be an older woman, too. Um, she was forty, around 49 years old, and that was considered old, and that's why she wasn't in church, because she was ill. Yeah. Uh, okay you don't want to go to church because you're sick i think you deserve a pass <laughs> right <laughs> and like sick not only sick but like very ill for for three years i'm pretty sure if you can't make it to church you can't make it to church yeah exactly so do we want to jump into exactly what happened kind of mm-hmm. now that we've talked about the three main yes ladies? those are the three ladies so like we had said the girls at the end of 19 or 1692 <laughs> 169 I'm going to keep saying 19. At the end of 1691, the girls were partaking in fortune telling. Right. So by January 1692, this is when Elizabeth and Abigail started having fits. Mm-hmm. They screamed, threw things, uttered strange sounds, contorted themselves into strange positions, crawled under furniture, etc. Yeah, I have a quote from somebody saying they contorted violently. They said they had bites, fell mute, their throats choked, and their limbs racked, which sounds fucking terrifying. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> <I'll pass. laughs> yeah, no thanks. So they uh, they had also said they were pinched and pricked with pins. I could not you I I could not not think of hocus pocus when they go <laughs> around. They're like children, yeah. and they're like picking at them. Yeah, <laughs> I was I automatically thought like. They were probably just referring it back to voodoo dolls, like what they knew yeah. about voodoo. You, you pick I and actually poke, read pick and voodoo. somewhere that one of the girls eventually came out and said, one of the younger girls said that one of the quote unquote witches had pricked them with a needle. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know how verifiable that source was, but I didn't write it down. So Yeah. <laughs> That's just, I don't know. That seems like something that could easily be read by a child or heard by a child, and then just repeated. Right. They're 9, you know? 11, 12. Yeah, and if you're crazy. listening to voodoo stories, that's part of it. Yeah. They probably freaked them, their own selves out and, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> escalated. Yeah. Very, very highly escalated the situation. Mm-hmm. So then, February 29th, 1692, the magistrates Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, Hathorne, I don't want to pronounce it wrong, questioned the girls, and they that's when they blamed the three women. Mm-hmm. Tituba, Sarah, and Sarah. And the local doctor, William Griggs, diagnosed bewitchment of these girls. So I think not to put blame anywhere, because clearly a lot of people are involved in this, but, like, he probably shouldn't have said that and fueled their fantasies. It was so so dramatic of him to be like, it was bewitchment, (laughs) and he pointed to the sky or something. Yeah, like, (laughs) fucking weirdo. (laughs) I don't, So, so, by then, more women had also been mirroring these symptoms, and this included Anne Putnam Jr., which was the little girl in the beginning who was also doing the fortune telling with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Walcott, and Mary Mary Warren. So they were also just taking having these fits and starting to blame. Yeah. P- play the blame game. All three women, meaning Tituba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne, had to defend themselves in court. They didn't get appointed anyone to like help them out. Which is horrible. Yeah. They were interrogated for several days before the local magistrates starting on March 1st, 1692. So, I have a quote from Tituba, and then you can get into the stuff you have about her, unless you have anything to add before that. No, you can go ahead. Okay. So, Tituba said, quote, the devil came to me and bid me to serve him. And she gave three days of testimony, which included describing black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, and a, quote, black man. And I don't know if this means African-American or just, like, a shadow man type mm-hmm. of thing. Or, like, dressed dark. Right, dressed dark. So we're not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but, yeah. quotes, black man who wanted her to sign his book. And apparently she said she signed this book with other witches to destroy the Puritans. And she also talked about Satan's familiars, which are, like, his animals that he... There was a lot... 
I should have gotten to this before, this also took place in Europe where Mm -hmm. it was believed witches back then could shapeshift or change form Mm -hmm. from person to animal or animal to person or person to person, like, just, like, change form. So, familiars, for anyone who doesn't know, a familiar nowadays people know as, like, if you're a witch... Like, if, if you watch Sabrina, mm-hmm. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, her familiar is Salem. Yeah. So, if you're a witch, nowadays, familiars are the animal that a witch has to, pr- to protect help protect them. them. Yeah. So, back then, familiars, they considered kind of evil in a way because Satan's familiars basically were keeping watch and, like, oh. reporting back to Satan in a way, I guess. I literally picture this quote-unquote black man as the guy from American Horror Story. Yes! That's exactly what I pictured. What's his name? Um, oh, we looked this up the other day. Uh, I forget, but yeah, if anyone he's like the voodoo. Coven, he's like the voodoo guy. Yeah, literally when I was reading about Tichaba. Papa Ligma. Yeah, Papa Ligma. <laughs> Papa Ligma. Papa Ligma. Papa Ligma. It was scary. You sell your soul to Papa Ligma. <laughs> so fucking terrifying. <laughs> but no, when I was reading about Tichaba, I actually thought... That was what I was thinking of, was that I think a lot of her character is probably based off of of her. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. So, do you want to get into all the stuff about... Yeah. Those were the quotes I had from her, and... So, this was in court. Um, Tituba was being questioned by Hawthorne, and these are direct quotes. Hawthorne said, "Did Did you never see the devil? She said, The devil came to me and bid me serve him. He said... Who have you seen? Tituba said, Four women sometimes hurt the children. Hawthorne said, Who were they? And Tituba said, Goody Osborne, Sarah Good, and I do not know who the other were. Sarah Good and Osborne would have me hurt the children. Sorry, this is a little hard to read, but this is a direct quote. But I would not. She further sath there was a tale of a man in Boston that she did see which I'm thinking that the man in Boston was the quote-unquote black man Mm -hmm. that she was talking about. Mm -hmm. Hawthorne then said, when did you see them? And she said, last night in Boston. He said, what did they say to you? They say hurt the children. Did you hurt them? She said, no, there's four women and one man. They hurt the children and they lay upon me and they tell me if I not hurt the children, they will hurt me. Hawthorne said, but did you hurt them? She said, yes but I will not hurt them no more. He said, are you sorry you did hurt them? And she said, yes. Hmm. So it seemed like she was saying that somebody was forcing her right, to, to do what to she do did. It. Yeah. Yeah. So all three women were put in jail. This, by three women, I'm talking about Tichuba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne. Mm-hmm. There was evidence, and I put in quotation, evidence (laughs) of more witches in the community, and this is, like, when the hysteria began. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, not long after that, Tituba remained in prison, um, but she recanted her confession, saying that she lied to protect herself because there was rumors that Reverend Samuel Paris was beating her, and she just said whatever he wanted her to say. Mm -hmm. And this is why... She was released later down the road. Yeah. She basically... I felt like it reminded me of nowadays when you, like, make a deal and Mm -hmm. give up names to get less time or to get... That's basically exactly what she did. This is what they wrote. On May 8th, 1692, the grand jury declined to charge Tituba, writing, quote-unquote, ignoramus on her paperwork indicating that she was found guilty of nothing due to lack of evidence. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And then from there, in April 1693, she was sold off from prison to an unknown person for the price that her jail fees cost because Samuel Paris refused to pay their her jail fees. That's so sad. And there yeah. was no more information after that about her, right? No one really knows any more about her Mm-mm. after her release. Yeah. Wow. Terrible. At least she lived, though. I know. But probably not probably the best. not the best life back then. Yeah. That's awful. So after the hysteria began, witches were being identified not just as outsiders and outcasts, which it had been 
up to this point. Mm -hmm. People were pointing fingers at those who stood out or who weren't as religious as everyone else, as we mentioned. Like, easy targets, basically. Right, right. The town didn't Uh, like People who were odd or um, wanted to take their dead husband's property. (laughs) They're like, hmm, let me just pick somebody out of the town that isn't doing well and we'll just call them a witch. Right. A slave, like the... Yeah. The out, quote, 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 unquote, outcasts. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the outsiders and outcasts anymore. Upstanding members were being identified as well as witches. Some of these included Rebecca Nurse. I didn't really find that much about her besides she she was religious. She was very, like, heavily involved in the church. Martha Corey, who was also a loyal member of the church in Salem Village, Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy Good, or on her paperwork, she was named as Dorcas Good, and she was actually sent to jail at age five, and she was the youngest jailed during the trials. She was in there for seven months before they let her out. A fucking five-year-old. And they were, like, somewhere put on their source saying something like, yeah, she was released, but she was traumatized for the rest of her life for that. I'm sure. For living in jail conditions for seven fucking months of her life at five years old. Yeah, not to mention the conditions, which I'll get into in a second. Mm. So, another member was Rachel Clinton. Mm. So, the jail conditions basically, if you were guilty, you were chained in what they called witch jail. Oh, God. And it was a dark, cold, wet dungeon. You were chained to a wall. There were water rats everywhere. Oh my god. Yeah. And this is a, there was a five-year-old enduring this. I can't even imagine our seven-year-old niece enduring something like this. Like, that's horrible. Yeah. And they were humiliated with physical exams where they literally made them strip naked in front of everyone and just, like, examined their bodies. What? Yeah. Oh my god, that makes me sick. That makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Absolutely awful. I didn't read that. Thank God I didn't read that. Yeah. So, basically the whole thought and the whole, like, feeding the hysteria was if upstanding people could be witches, anybody could be a witch. Oh my God. Which is why they just started freaking out and every, people started accusing everyone and every. Yeah, it kind of blew up from these first three women. Right. Uh, Do you have anything else to add? Otherwise, I have... Basically, more a couple more names of people that were yeah. accused in the beginning. I was just going to... Yeah, you can go ahead, and then I'll talk about more of Sarah Good and Osborne in court. Okay. So, I started, <laughs> I started writing these names down in chronological order. Mind you. <laughs> mind you. That there was probably 200 names, <laughs> and Bryn starts writing down... With a little description. It was very nice. Well, I was like, these were victims. They deserve to have their <laughs> right. names be spoken. <laughs> this podcast might be seven hours. No, I, so I'm going to just read some of the names I wrote down, but don't worry. I did not write down 200 because after a while I was like, okay, this is enough. Did you like look at the bottom of the list and you were like, wait. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is enough. I read, I read on. So we had Sarah Cloyce, who is Rebecca Nurse's sister, and Elizabeth Proctor were arrested in April and brought before the magistrates. There were objections by Elizabeth's husband, John Proctor, and he was arrested that day. So basically, it kind of reminded me, again, of The Handmaid's Tale, where, Mm -hmm. like, if anyone speaks up against it... You're arrested. Yeah, all of a sudden, you're brought into your... You did something wrong as well. Yeah. Um, Within a week... Giles, I think his name is, Corey, Martha Corey's husband, I'm assuming he spoke up as well. Mm-hmm. Ab- there are good men out there. <laughs> Abigail Hobbs, Bridget Bishop, Mary Warren, and Deliverance Hobbs were arrested and examined. Abigail, Mary, and Deliverance all confessed and began naming more people. Oh, great. So, Why throw someone else under the, the bus? The thing that I noticed, too, was Mary Warren... She was mentioned earlier where she was already accusing people. Yeah. So it kind of seemed like, I don't know, like she wanted to be in the mix. Well, it seems like, too, in order to have the best outcome after being accused, you have to throw somebody else under the bus. Right. For them to switch the spotlight to somebody else. And admit, admit that you are a witch. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they began naming more people, Sarah Wilds, William Hobbs, Nehemiah Abbott, Abbott Jr., Mary Eastie, Edward Bishop Jr., and his wife Sarah Bishop, and Mary English were arrested. Around April 30th, nine, uh, oh my god, I did it again, April 30th, 1692, Reverend George Burroughs, Lydia Dustin, Susanna Martin, Dorcas Hoare, Hoare, oh god, I think that's how you say it, H-O-A-R, yeah, Hoare, yeah, yeah, okay. I, would say I thought I said it wrong for a second, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Oh, God, I'm not making fun of this woman. Howard? Horror. Okay. Okay. Sarah Morey and Philip English were arrested, and warrants... This is when I gave up on the names. I was like, okay, this is enough. I would have given up after Not that I'm, like... No. Not giving justice to every single person that Mm -mm. was accused or, like, put on trial for this, but I just wasn't about to name 200. (laughs) So, then I just said, warrants continued to be issued for more and more and more people. Yeah, basically it blew up. Right. Everyone and their mothers were being accused of witchcraft. Yeah. It was crazy. Friggin' insane. Yeah. Do you have any more names? No. I I continue on from there, but what do you want to say before that? I was just going to go into um, Sarah Good's testimony court. Yeah, you can get into that. Okay. Yeah. So, Sarah Good was the first to testify because she was rumored to be, it was rumored to be because she was the most hated out of the three girls by the community, like I said earlier. So, they kind of wanted to, like, go with her first. And like we said, her four-year-old daughter was, Dorothy, was brought to testify. She was basically scared into testifying against her own mother. Which is Which is horrible. So sad. And then she was put in jail, too, for being a witch, apparently. So, Sarah's husband said that while she's not a witch, she's close to becoming one. And I put in parentheses, <laughs> coward. This was and basically to protect be... himself. Like, how can you be close how to being... How can you be close? You're either a fucking witch or you're not. She wasn't one, but she was close. Like, he's a coward. And this is a quote from William Good, which is her husband. Quote, it was time... Or, sorry, bleh. It was her bad carriage to me, and indeed say I with tears, she is the enemy to all good. What a disgusting human. Yeah. Like, can you imagine being married to somebody and then them getting up and testifying that in court? I'd, I would be I would be like... I'd be like, this is My not... first official spell is going to be on you. Yeah, better watch out. <laughs> I put a spell on you. Um, when questioned in court, she said, they said, why do, why do you hurt these children? And she responded... I do not hurt them. I scorn it. I am falsely accused. So, so basically, she was just, like, thrown under the bus for yelling at children or reprimanding children. Yeah, because she was not the nicest person. Because she wasn't, like, she was oh, grumpy. please don't crush my flowers on my front yeah. <laughs> So they were like, witch. Oh um, so then Sarah Good eventually accused Sarah Osborne of afflicting the children after watching the girls fall into fits in the courtroom. The one person that defended Sarah Good is one of the girls accused Good of stabbing her with a knife, and they showed the court a broken knife tip, tip to prove it. But a man then stood up in the court and said, that was my knife. Yeah, from the, the day before. The tip was broken in the presence of the girl. Yeah, he had said the day before, like you said, the girl was there. Yeah. And let's say it happened on the street somewhere. And like, she saw it happen. Yeah, she saw it and I guess kept the tip of the knife to then bring to court and like... Saying, this is what she hurt me with. Yeah. And the guy's like, actually, no. <laughs> Sit your ass down. Yeah. So then Sarah Good was sentenced to be hanged, but was allowed a little bit of time to birth her child because she was pregnant. And sadly, her infant actually died in prison before she was hanged. Hmm, I wonder why. Because of the witch jail she was being kept in, chained to a wall, and surrounded by fucking rats. They probably thought the baby was a witch, too, so they didn't take care of it. Yeah. Her six-year-old daughter, like we said, was in prison for... Or, sorry, four-year-old daughter was in prison for seven months and then released on bond. And then on Tuesday, July 19th, 1692... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sarah Good was hanged. She stood at the gallows waiting to die, and Reverend Nicholas Noyes 
N-O-Y-E-S, asked her one last time to confess and save her soul. And she responded, you're a liar. I'm no more of a witch than you are a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I fucking love her. If you take my life away, God will give you blood to drink. I would... I wish I had the balls to say that to somebody. That's cool. I hope I am a distant relative of her. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> she is an amazing woman. She's actually where the rumored, like, look of witches came from. She oh, had really? long, like, scraggly hair. She looked really wrinkly, and she had white hair, too. She actually appeared to be in her 60s or 70s, but that was probably because she, like, lived a really hard life before because she wasn't that old. Um, But that's where the modern-day visual of, like, a witch came from. Those are some badass last words, though. Right? Yeah. Let me say it again. (laughs) (laughs) You're a liar. I'm no more a witch than you are a wizard. If you take my life away, God will give you blood to drink. Ugh, love it. And then... Yeah. Wow. So, some were released after accusers couldn't confirm the affliction. Some remained in jail. Mm-hmm. As you just said, some were hung. May 10th, 1692. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> Sarah Osborne, who was one of the first three accused, died in jail. She was also the only person that didn't accuse somebody else. Yeah, we forgot to mention questioned. that. I mean, yeah. well, we said Tichaba accused other people yeah but sarah good like love her because of that quote and stuff but she she did accuse other people yeah and and sarah osborne actually made this defense that if the devil could take shape of another person without their compliance that could have happened to me which would obviously not be her fault then yeah and that's kind of that quote from her in court is kind of what turned everything as far as the witch trials and they were like oh maybe she's right like Like that's a good ass wouldn't be their fault yeah so yeah so then uh trials began to overwhelm the justice system obviously yeah may 1692 governor of massachusetts at that time william phipps ordered establishment of a special court of oyer which was to hear and Terminer, which was to decide on witchcraft cases for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. Mm-hmm. The first conviction against Brid- Ugh. Bridget Bishop was on June 2nd, 1692, and she was hanged eight days later on June 10th, 1692, on what would be known as Gallows Hill in Salem Town. Yeah. And then five were hanged in July, including Sarah Good as you spoke about, five in August and eight in September. So that was 19 total people hung. Two dogs were also executed Mm. with involvement in witchcraft. I'm assuming they thought they were familiars, maybe. Like, I don't really know how you could prove that, Mm -mm, but... These poor animals. Yeah. And people. So seven accused witches died in jail. Well, witches. Yeah. Quotes. And... Giles Corey was pressed to death. Pressed to death. Pressed to death by stones after refusing to enter a plea. What? Can... Mm, pressed? By stones. So basically he was... Like squished? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's terrible. In total, over 150 men and women implicated during this time but then i read in another article it was like more close to nearly 200 yeah i read about 200 too yeah and i forgot to actually mention earlier i have a statistic let me find it sorry sorry people (laughs) uh gender came into play this this was before the salem witch trials okay so the majority of people, there were men and women accused. I'm not saying there weren't. Yeah. But the majority of people accused and convicted of witchcraft were women, and this was about 78%. Yeah. I read that, too. I forgot yeah. to write that down, though. Yeah. That's insane. That's just very sad. Yeah. And obviously, as we mentioned, it's probably because they thought women were more susceptible to their bodies being overtaken by yeah. dark forces or whatever the fuck. Right. 
Uh, do you have anything before October 29th? Yeah, I actually forgot to mention that Sarah Osborne was actually accused by Thomas and Edward Putnam, which were her neighbors. Um, and remember, Edward Putnam um, was the father of one of the girls that was fortune-telling and then fell into fits. Right, and Putnam Jr. Yeah, so the reason they believe that she was accused by the Putnams was because she decided that she wanted to take the inheritance away from her two sons, and that would mean that the Osborne last name would not live on through her sons and the legacy wouldn't live on, Mm -hmm. and that actually took power away from the Putnams because they had an alliance with the Putnams. So, like... They got pissed off because their future alliance was about to be broken or weakened. Right. And they decided to call her a witch. I read in an article that the Putnams were actually involved in a lot of the accusations. Yeah. Which is like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, October 29th, 1692, Governor Phipps dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer and mandated that its successor disregard spectral evidence. So, spectral evidence is testimony about dreams and visions. Mm. So, you couldn't... He was basically like, anything that's coming to you in a dream or a vision or, like, you're having this fit and you're thinking this happened... Mm -hmm. This cannot be held up in court. Yeah, like, it no shouldn't evidence. be held up in court. Right. Yeah, you need, like, hard evidence just as you would a murder case. And not to mention, a lot of the women I read during this time were... Obviously, they went through a smallpox um, epidemic. Right. They were getting out of the war, and they also were worried about Native American attacks. So it said that a lot of women, and men for that matter, would wake up, like, screaming because of horrible... Like, PTSD, nightmares that they basically. Had. Yeah. yeah. So, that's a good thing that they brought that up. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the war, we didn't really mention that. Mm-hmm. In 1689, English rulers William and Mary had started a war with France in the American colonies. This was known as King William's War. Mm-hmm. And they sent refugees into Salem Village, which created strain on Salem's resources and increased rival. That also, like, helped increase the rivalry between families and neighbors, and that's where... People were obviously having, like, PTSD yeah. and stuff from it that It was hard well. times for them. Yeah. So, Minister Cotton Mather also encouraged the court to not allow spectral evidence. Mm-hmm. And on October 3rd, so, um, yeah, yeah, October 3rd, Increase Mather, his name was Increase. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was like, am I reading this right? Increase. Increase Mather, which was at that time the president of Harvard, mm-hmm. and he was the father of Cotton Mather. He also denounced the use of spectral evidence. So he's like this person who's looked upon as this mm. intelligent higher up. Wow. And he's supporting that, saying, yeah, this basically is bullshit. Like, yeah. you can't go by this. Well, that's good. Yeah. And the trials continued until early 1693. Which is terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. A a year of this shit. Like, I can't even imagine living during this time. No. And I mean, this is a year of this and it's so insane. I can't imagine what Europe was like. Ugh. For what decades it was? Uh, Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Now I'm into May. Do you have anything to add before Mm -hmm. that? Okay, so May 1693, Phipps, this is Governor Phipps, the one who had dissolved the court, had pardoned and released all the people that were in prison on witchcraft charges. Yeah. So he was basically like, no, this is... We fucked up. Yeah, this is... This needs to be dealt with and done. And then I'm into the late 1690s. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, early 1700s. Early 1700s, yeah. Basically, 1711, finance, financial restitution was given to families who lost loved ones to execution or damage due to the hysteria. Yeah. Yeah, they actually passed a bill restoring all the rights and the good names to those accused, and they gave 600 euros in restitution to their heirs. Which is, like, nothing. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is, American Compared money, but to still. Now. yeah. Uh, yeah, and compared to nowadays, but still, like, how do you 
give money to families that you put that through. I don't know. Like, I don't... But can we just go back for one second? Because I think this is, like, probably the craziest quote of the day. 1702... Around 1702, the court determined that Salem witch trials were unlawful, like we said, and ordered a day of fasting and soul-searching. Like, we just killed hundreds of people, but let me soul-search to for this see... Tragedy. To see, like, what, what happened. That's insane. That... Does not do justice. No. No. Yeah. Leading Justice Samuel Seawall publicly apologized for his part, which, good for him. Like, at least he, like, yeah. took initiative to do that. Yeah. But still, doesn't really help. And, like you said, the mass... I think you said... Did you say that they restored the good mm-hmm. news? Yeah. Yeah. And then in 1957... 1957. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing up the date. I'm not meaning to say 16. 1957, more than 250 years later, Massachusetts formally apologized. That's fucked up. 1957. How was there no one with moral, morals before then to fucking to have a apologize? Apology? I yeah. can't even imagine. Like, yeah. relatives and... Ugh. Yeah. And then November 2001, years after the 300th anniversary, the last 11 of the convicted were fully exonerated. So basically before this, like we had mentioned, they restored the good names of Mm -hmm. people and, and exonerated their names and basically erased that they did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But there were 11 people who still hadn't been exonerated by 2001 that's like scary that's really scary that's disturbing yeah 2001 like that's a little too close to to home a little too close for comfort yeah like we were alive then (laughs) (laughs) right that's scary yeah so then basically that's the end of the case and we're just gonna get well the case uh, i mean the the story and the story and we're going to get into the hypothesis hypotheses that were formed to like explain these behaviors of why maybe these people were having these fits or making these accusations makes sense if you think about it i think some of them make sense i think so too and the one reminded me of that stephen king movie 1912 that we watched oh i fell asleep Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't get it it. otherwise you would have said the same thing do you want to get into the first one we can like yeah so Back to when I said that they were baking a witch cake, um, I mentioned that there was some rye that they had put in it, and toxicologists, in an effort to explain these fits, determined that fungus, the fungus ergot, was, that's actually found in rye, wheat, and some cereals, can cause delusions, vomiting, and muscle spasms. And hallucinations. Which sounds like, oh yeah, I didn't say hallucinations, which sounds like the fits that these girls were having. And a sense of crawling on the skin. Yeah. Which would explain the feeling of pinpricks. Those are, yeah, delusions. Like, yeah. I, this explains in modern, in a modern day way why these girls were feeling this way, maybe, and pe- they just didn't know how to filter out or properly cook the rye or something to get this fungus out of the food that they were eating. Yeah. I think that's definitely, well, I'm not going to say definitely because I'm not a, freaking scientist or a doctor but i think that's what it was right how crazy like yeah and this fungus ergot thrives in warm slash damp climates like swampy meadows in the salem village yeah and the rye was a staple in their spring and summer crops there. yeah and i can just imagine <laughs> what people were feeling like if they did ingest this fungus before the witch trials happened and like they experienced some of these symptoms they were probably like what the fuck is going on. I can't tell anybody what's happening to me. Like, something's wrong. Yeah. Well, it said that LSD, the drug, is yeah. actually a derivative of, of ergot. ergot. Really? So, these people were tripping. Oh, my God. <laughs> tripping. They just didn't know how to get rid of ergot. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, they they refer to it as well as, like, convulsive ergotism. Yeah. It all comes down to a fucking fungus. Yeah. I had a couple other possibilities but i think the one i think that one's my top of what i think okay personal vendettas or economic competition which could have been for some people maybe some people were just like 
like jumping on the bandwagon like I feel like that goes doing, on to this taking day it, so yeah like doing it for their own selfish reasons you know mm-hmm. um some combination this is what I read in an article some combination of asthma encephalitis Lyme disease epilepsy child abuse delusional psychosis or the ergot ergotism, ergotism, however you pronounce it. Which are all very possible, considering mental health was not really... And if it's, like, a combination of things... Right. ...that they had no idea about then... Well, hallucinations and delusions are psychotic features. Like, and back then, not knowing that it was a mental illness or not acknowledging that, I could see them thinking, you're a witch Mm -hmm. or something crazy like that. I was also thinking, like, outside of this yesterday this isn't on my on the list or anything but back to ursula and sabina's case but just like in mass form because you said if people are together i mean they weren't really living together but just like taking on the trait yeah like Mm -hmm. but in mass form yeah like people were just like oh you've come down with the witch and they just start doing these (laughs) things yeah so They also said psychological hysteria in response to attacks with, like, the war happening, the tribes in the area, all of that. Yeah. An epidemic of birdborne encephalitis lethargica. I don't know what the hell that is. You might. It's just a a type of encephalitis. Okay. From... Well, birdborne. Yeah. Um, Sleep paralysis which they're saying could account for the nocturnal attacks, like where people mm. were thinking it was happening at night, which, I mean, I've had sleep paralysis before and night terrors with, like, thinking there are spiders and me literally slapping Timo across the face in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Timo. Like, mine are always about spiders, though. Oh, my God. You sound like the little girl I babysit. Really? Oh, yeah. She, she, she wakes up saying that there's webs in her bed every yeah. night. Like, freaking out saying that there's webs yeah i remember it happening not every night a couple times in like high school and college when i had like friends sleeping over and i had explained myself (laughs) like i would literally thank god it's like people i was close with but like i remember one time my friend Lindsay, (laughs) shout out Lindsay, you better be listening my one friend Lindsay, we were sleeping in my room at my parents house and I woke up in the middle of the night and, like, flipped the covers off both of us, ran to the other side of the room, flipped the lights on, and was just pointing at the ceiling, and she's like, what? And I was like, spider, spider! And then, like, I had to be like, oh, no, this happens. Like, I'm just kidding. (laughs) There wasn't a spider. Ew. Yeah. That's really weird. Yeah, and she was like, what the hell? Like, I woke her up out of a dead sleep. (laughs) And then, um, back to the, back to this. (laughs) Jealousy, spite, need for attention. Obviously, like, just, like, Personal. Joining the bandwagon, personal vendettas, yeah. Yeah. I think it could be a good combination of... Of all of them? Yeah. Yeah, because there's obviously... I think it makes the sense in a mass... Like, it makes sense in a mass group like that for it to be the rye or the wheat thing. But... It can also be mental health issues, too. Right. But there were... known. Yeah. And there were also, I'm sure, even if there were people with the ergot... I'm sure there were people who had mental health that maybe it, like, stirred it up for them. Mm -hmm. Or there were people who were just jumping in on it and wanting to be a part of the hype, like, the hype, the, like, want to say, oh, yeah, I was part of this kind of thing. Or for younger girls, maybe for attention or something. It's, like, crazy a toxic combination of everything. I know. I mean, they didn't have the easiest time back then, so... This is all just so crazy to me that this happened, and it's like, it's like I want to go to Salem so fucking bad. Me too, but I, I think it just shut down again. Yeah, it did. Yeah. The whole town. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, coronavirus. <laughs> and Mercury and Russia. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. We're, we're weird. <laughs> okay. I think that's it. And yep. um, keep listening. Yep. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our Yeah, show. on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe, leave a review, all that fun stuff. On yep. Spotify, I believe you can just follow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure about the other podcasting networks Platforms. that yeah, we're on, but 
Yeah, anywhere listen you to can. us. Yeah, and if anything, just like send us. I just said like, so I'm gonna have someone sending a DM about that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. We are. Yeah. Um, send us DMs. Yeah, if anything, send us a DM or an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. And, or on our Facebook, you can message us too. Yes, we love constructive criticism. We are trying with... Likes and ums. I think we're doing pretty good. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to be aware of it. It's just really hard because like we've said, it's kind of fillers. and It is. It's tough. We're used to speaking that way, but we're trying. And if you have any spooky stories... Or something you want us to include on the podcast, please send it our way. Yeah, we want suggestions. We want to start talking to people um, live on the podcast. So. Yes, we have, and like we've mentioned, we have some fun, fun and spooky things in store for everyone. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. So till okay. next time. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Hear hear you next week. <laughs> Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook